Hello and welcome to episode 1229 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, November 13th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, recovering, or not uh, recovered, I should say, not recovering from our, our trip to Arizona. It was a blast. Hope everyone enjoyed the uh, the live episode. Got a lot of nice feedback on that. It was an amazing time there. Our, our you know usual spiel about if you can make it out to Arizona, please do. We had a lot of first timers this year. It was awesome. The live episode, the whole podcast room. I mean, they the, the way that's elevated over the years. First off, big shouts to James Gale, the producer who makes so much of that happen so smoothly and so brilliantly. And of course, Brent and Ray for allowing it to expand into what it has, where there's you know podcasts going damn near all the time, and uh, it's pretty fun to be the closer as we were shutting it down there the signs <laughs> the signs y'all had were amazing mm-hmm. it was great podcast room was great trip was great how you doing i'm doing great i mean i had an absolute blast in uh in arizona uh, i had a couple people who came up to me during the conference and thanked you and i for promoting it because they they came out just because we had been talking about it for years and that's awesome uh, it seemed like they had a great time a lot of new people there this year uh who had a great time so uh i mean we'll say it every year uh and we'll you know obviously promote it more as it comes up next uh next season but yep. uh it is well worth the money well worth the time uh to come out uh and uh yeah now my entire family's on the il and I, yeah i heard yeah. that kid uh decided right before he left for arizona to carve their finger instead of a pumpkin um <laughs> and they had to get surgery this last week to repair oh uh, tendon in their pinky uh and then my wife had throat surgery so uh she is mostly tweeting right now because she cannot talk oh that's that's big for you it i mean it's it's nice except for i, I was telling her uh, three things that I generally hate are uh, the silent treatment. Yeah, I'm um, very, very much don't like that. It works on me in, in that yeah. it pisses me off completely. Yes. Uh, uh, I don't like uh, charades, <laughs> which is what we're playing a lot of. Yeah. Uh, and I don't like to read. Uh, so, uh, it's really, you know, you would think it would be like, Hey, you get a couple weeks of silence. Cause she's not supposed to really talk for two weeks. Uh, but I'm actually living my own private hell right now, which is funny. Cause I'm watching the good place, which is a man, uh, fantastic show. If you've never seen God, it before, I love that uh, show so much. And, uh, this is the, yeah, this is my bad place right here. The, yeah. You, you, you are not in the good place, uh, sure. playing daily charades. Well, mm -hmm. good luck with that. And, uh, you know, best, best of, uh, best wishes on recovery for both Danielle and your daughter. Hopefully everything's doing well with them sooner than later. Um, let's talk some baseball. We're going to finally get to those young Yankee hitters that we've had on our rundown for about a month because we kept coming up with other topics. We did a few of these before, little collections of, of players kind of thematically uh, put together from different teams. You know, the young Tigers pitching. I can't remember the other ones we've done. We did like three of them early on. Then we had these young Yankee hitters we wanted to talk about and the young Guardian pitchers. Now, it's not always going to just be uh, young players on different teams, but that happens to be the through line for these two. I'm sure there'll be a team that has some veteran players that we want to group together and discuss. But uh, these young Yankee hitters are pretty intriguing. You know, there is a world where if things really come together next year, as much as I hate to admit it because I love hating on the Yankees, they could be something. 
And it would be, you know, a lot of big seasons from these guys. Let's start at the top with the guy who's been around for a while. But did you realize that does it hit you? Are you always aware of the fact that Labor Torres is still only 27 next year? Like he's still quite young. He's coming off of a second straight 20 some, uh, 2010, we'll call it season, 25 homers, 13 steals, 24-10 the year before. So back-to-back, -back, nice double-double seasons with good power. Plate skills were amazing this year, 15% K rate, 10% walk rate for Glaber with a 273 average, 347 OBP, and a 453 slug. This is his best year since that famed 2019 when he hit 72 homers against the Orioles, and it really carried his season. Um, and after kind of a few middling type seasons after that, he looks excellent. And again, we're talking about Glaber as just a 27 year old. Is there more in the tank here? Can he get back to being like, you know, the, the, the dude that we thought he could be, or is he fine where he is? And you're still interested where are you at on Glaber Torres now after kind of an interesting first five years in the, in the league, uh, six years, excuse me. I mean, I think this is kind of who he is. I think he's a 25 homer hitter and double digit stolen bases uh, with a good average. You know, I think the 273 average, I think, is pretty, pretty legitimate considering the underlying skills. The XBA was actually 280, uh, which would insinuate he might have been a little bit unlucky uh, mm -hmm. in that batting average. He had a career high uh, seven or 88 percent zone contact, which is a bug above, above league average. Uh, he had a, the lowest swing strike rate of his career, below 10%, 9% swing strike rate. Um, I, everything is in line for him to just be a damn solid player. You're talking about a guy that I think is Marcus Simeon light. Uh, that's, that's a good way to put it. I, I yeah, like that I, comparison. I love guys. Like, I, yep, I mean, me too. He isn't overpriced. You know, he's going outside of the top 100 picks, uh, you know, just barely, but, uh, he's got a level of stability that a lot of the other guys there may not actually really have. So kind of uh, an infield Brian Reynolds type too, to, to yeah. give another name in that, in that realm. I, I love the uh, semi comparison because that's position to position. Mm -hmm. So that one works even better, but yeah, those, those type of guys, you know, sometimes we talk about them as accumulators, compilers, uh, sometimes that's seen in a negative light, but obviously as long as they keep staying healthy and putting up the 150 plus games per year, then they're going to keep doing their thing. Hunter Pence was that guy back in the day, kind of the last mm -hmm. uh, generation of player. He was he was awesome like that. And now we've seen these two two seasons in a row here of Glaber doing really well. And like I said, and you pointed out too, he improved this year. Uh, the homers and steals were very similar, but the slash line is markedly better. And I love the plate skill improvements. The 10% the walk rate is a career best. I'm not including the 14% from 2020. He played 42 games. I don't give yeah. a shit about that. Um, so these are the best plate skills we've seen out of Glaber. I agree that the price at pick 104 is really not that bad. I'm okay with that. And uh, I think if he fits my team around there, I've got no issues taking Glaber, even if he is just you know, repeating this season for a third straight time. Yeah, and I mean, I think the clear anomaly in his career was 2021, right? Like, he just, yeah. you know, he played, you know, a lot, 500-plus plate appearances, but only hit nine home runs. Like, I think that is – I mean, obviously – there's another anomaly in the in the uh, juice ball season with the 38, yeah, in where 2019, he hit, where he hit like 33 home runs against the Orioles. It was uh, unreal. <laughs> so, but uh, I think 
in terms of like a down season, like I think 2021 is, is a pretty big anomaly. And I think he's uh, about as safe as a bet as you get at second base, especially once you get past kind of those top tier options. Yeah. I quite like Glamour Torres. You do too. We're definitely interested in him. And uh, you know, if things really do get going with this team, then the runs and ribbies could jump up too. And that could make him even better than the top 100 or just we'll call it top 105 pick that Glaber Torres is. Let's talk Anthony Volpe, gold glove winner, which by the way, shouts to him. I was banging the drum that he shouldn't make the team because of defense specifically. I was like, Peraza is the better glove by all accounts. Uh, Volpe's glove might even be challenged. And, you know, defense fluctuates. You know, I, I didn't make it up out of thin air. It was the scouting reports I was reading from people saying that uh, he didn't have it there. And I don't say that to shirk responsibility. I'll take the fat L on that because he goes out, puts up 2.5 D war and wins a gold glove. Shouts to you, Volpe. Problem is he didn't hold up his end of the bargain offensively. Now, 2020 is wonderful. 21 homers, 24 steals, but he hit 209. And that really curbed the uh, the potential there for Volpe and what he was able to earn. He was still a negative dollar value player. Now, you could have had the right build to where you kind of worked around that if you had enough batting average, but I doubt it in a lot of cases. And so the 2020 probably wasn't enough in, in a lot of builds there for Volpe. What do you make of this rookie year? He was obviously a big-time helium guy whose price was just going up and up and up throughout March drafts, ended up in the top 100 by season, by draft season's end, which obviously he didn't make the grade there. But what if he got him more in the 200s? Um, do, do you feel like it was okay, even though the batting average sucked so bad? Are you in on Volpe for this year? What, what, what is your general outlook on Anthony Volpe for year two? He's a really interesting guy because... I think the underlying numbers tell me he should be much better in terms of the batting average. Um, you know, he had a round league average zone contact swing strike rate was like 12 to 13%, um, which, you know, isn't amazing, but like, isn't bad. Like we're like seeing these kind of big strikeout numbers, like doesn't quite make sense to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's going to end up being fine. Like, I don't think there's a lot of uh, reason to like worry that like, he's going to have another 200 batting average again yeah. this season. I, I mean, I probably pencil men for again, like a 2020 season with like, a 240 batting average, which is a lot more palatable. Um, the only issue is like, he's currently going to pick 141 and I just, don't see that staying there. Like, I think he's going to be inside the top 100. And then you start building in a lot of risk. And do you want to take a guy like Gleyber Torres over Anthony Volpe uh, because of the stability that you know you're going to get from Torres? I think he makes a lot of sense in builds where you're, you know, doing a really good job of balancing safe floor with the high ceiling of Volpe. Because, I mean, if we're, if we're discussing between who has a better chance of being first round value. Uh, Volpe is the guy right over. A guy yeah, like Torres. because he can, they can match each other in power probably. And then you, you could see Volpe stealing 30 pretty easily. Yeah. Especially if the OBP goes up as we expect with the batting average to go up. Yeah. Totally agree there that if you're shooting for first round value, yes. But if they're the same price, 
and, and, and I don't have that safe build that you're talking about. And you can only be so safe, right? You know, we, mm -hmm. we say safe, we put that in quotes. You can have the Simeons of the world and the Machados and you're thinking you're getting 300 games Machado's from them. Machado's a great, a great example this year, right? Like of how, not, like, yeah. even though he still produced, like, you yeah. know. It you wasn't. Know, like, as ironclad yeah yeah like he still got your 601 plate appearances 30 homers you're not you're not sulking over manny machado everybody wasn't until they're not like it's bingo and he played 138 games which was a career low for him outside of the uh, or not a career low uh he had when he got hurt in 14 but uh his low full seat his full season low uh since 2014 he'd been such a workhorse there so if Volpe was like the, at the price he's at right now, I'm interested. I agree with you though. I think it only goes up from here. He's got a huge split 108 min, 201 max. I don't think we see Volpe at that max very often. I think he inches closer and closer to that min value. I'm not saying I hate it. It's just I do think there's some risk there. Might as well say it now because uh, we know we're going to say it every episode. Prospect growth isn't linear. We don't know that he will move forward. Now, coming off of this season, I, I feel like there's a pretty decent bet he will, but we don't know how that will go. He's still just going to be 23 years old. I'm interested in him, but I think as somebody who does multiple leagues, he's somebody I might get like once. Um, as opposed to somebody I'm going to stock up on. And if I'm a single league person, then I've got, I got to kind of make the decision. I don't know if I want to put my eggs in the Volpe basket right now, especially if you're a one league person, you're, you're probably drafting in March. And that's when I think Volpe's price is going to be highest, especially if he has a nice spring. So that's where I come out on him. I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I like him as a player, but I'm a little tepid on, on overloading Volpe shares right now. I'm with you. Um, let's move on to our next guy here. We talk about, the aforementioned Oswaldo Peraza and or Oswald Peraza and then Oswaldo Cabrera, who I was very much in on. I liked Peraza for the defense and thought he could break camp with the team, but I just legitimately loved Oswaldo Cabrera. I thought he could have a really fun super utility type season with some power and speed. And that did not come together at all. Five homers, eight steals and a 60 WRC plus. It was just a rotten effort there in, in small, uh, a small sample form. Peraza, even worse, even smaller sample, two homers, four steals and a 53 WRC plus and 191 plate appearances. So a washout season for both. I don't even think we really need to get into, this, into the stats. They're not samples that you can really bank much on. But there's still two young guys. Are you in on Oswaldo Peraza and or Oswaldo Cabrera next year? I think I just called him Oswaldo Peraza again. One has an O at the end of his name. The other doesn't. Oswald Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera. I'm sorry. Are you in on either of the youngsters next year? I think, I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on what the Yankees do, right? I mean, if the Yankees bring in, you know, another. Well, first, let me just say I'm probably out on Peraza. Okay. Um, I just don't see where he plays. Especially with Volpe winning the gold glove. Yeah. That edge that Peraza had is now mitigated because the defensive metrics back it up too. I'm not just saying the gold gloves means you're great. He played great defense. Like yeah. I think gold gloves are a lot more bankable these days to where you can say that somebody who wins is a good defender. Not every single one is perfect, but they're nowhere like they were when we were kids when the fucking thing was an offensive award. It was the yeah. dumbest thing ever. They're a lot more viable now, so I feel comfortable saying Volpe's a good defender. That's going to squeeze out Peraza. I agree with you there. So then for Cabrera, you're worried about where he might play if they bring in other guys. He's an infield outfield type, but I think they want him more in the outfield than third yeah. base. And so I are mean, you worried about outfielders coming in? Yeah, I mean, if they brought in somebody to play left field, uh, I would be a little worried. 
Because I don't know that he's going to play center very often. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, though, if they don't bring anybody in, if they, you know, they have other needs in, you know, pitching, namely, uh, they need starters, right? And, the, and probably some added bullpen help. Um, if they, so if they don't bring in a left fielder and he is in open competition with Jake Bowers, like, uh, I'll take, I'll take Cabrera. Like I'll, I'll, I'll take that bet. Like the underlying skills were fine. Um, so like, and we know there's power in that bat. Uh, I'm not super worried that like he couldn't beat out a guy like Bowers. Uh, and because he can play so many different positions, like he can find his way, even if he's not the everyday left fielder. So I, um, I like Cabrera still. And I think, I haven't checked where he's going, but I mean, I got it. Dirt cheap. I got you on that. Uh, Oswald Peraza, 439. Oswaldo Cabrera, who you do like 558. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, dirt I'll, take cheap. That all, I'll take that all day. That's I mean, same. I know, I know we're not supposed to say it's free, but it, in a 15 that one you can. No, 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 no. Team 30 round draft, that is li- like he's not being yeah. drafted. That is free. So. I push back on your free when it's like an 11th round pick, and you're like, that guy's free. It's free. Five fifty eight. You can say is free, and what we mean there is it can't really harm you. It is a pick. It costs something, but it's a pick that no matter how bad it goes, it cannot harm you. Even if he does literally nothing, because five fifty eight, you're in lottery ticket zone firmly. Hell, even Oswald Peraza's four thirty nine is already lottery ticket zone, and that can't really hurt you. That's that is the thirtieth round. That's last round of a standard. If the Yankees trade Glaber Torres, which has been a rumor that has floated around for years, then Peraza's uh, for, back in the picture. Then Peraza becomes more interesting, and again, his underlying skills—they aren't bad either. Like they're, you know, he's got around you know league average zone contact. You know, fourteen percent swing strike rate is not what you really want to see, but um, you know, he's one of those guys that could be a compiler, and he plays mm-hmm. you know good defense. So like. It, Power and know, speed. Yeah, there's you know a little bit of pop and good amount of speed and good defense. So like if he could find himself in an everyday role, I guess it would make sense. And I guess he could play third. And that's um, Peraza. Yeah. Well, with Lemay here, we just don't know what to expect out of him. Yeah. He's penciling in at third right now. His health and has been also, a nightmare. We also don't know what to expect from Anthony Rizzo. Like correct. You know, He's also and, old, unfortunately. And after that head hit when he got run into he was not the same he was having a transcendent season yeah and then that totally derailed him hopefully everything is good there we don't want his mentals to be messed up but we don't know with rizzo so we do have two open spots there or not open spots but two uh spots that are a little bit in flux about whether or not you're going to get a buck 50 out of them so that could create an avenue for Parasa. so both of them are cheap enough that I, i'm going to have shares of both i'm going to have more shares of cabrera than i will Peraza. doing draft champions as we're about to get started i know you and i are doing some gladiators we're not drafting either of those guys in gladiator but as we get into our draft champions i think i'll see oswaldo cabrera on multiple of my my draft champions teams um, i made one switch on the rundown for you i want to add a guy in that i did Ooh. forget and let's talk about estevan florial and we'll get to Everson Pereira too. Another guy, another another two guys where they have kind of a similar name there with Estevan and uh, 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 Everson, both outfielders. Let's start with Florial. He was the guy who who 
was up this year, got some PT. Nothing nothing to write home about. It was a cup of coffee, 71 plate appearances. In fact, he's been kind of a sip of coffee kind of guy the last three, four years, hasn't really gotten that opportunity. But down in the minors, Florial went 28-25 with a 284 average and a 130 WRC+. plus. The strikeouts were monstrous, and that's a big issue for him. But he took a 14% walk rate to counterbalance the 30% K rate and still produced a ton. Is this a triple A guy who's just a stud down there and your or your classic quad A guy is what I meant to say, mm -hmm. where he just dominates triple A but can't hack it in the majors? Or does Estevan Foriel need a real shot at the majors so, so we can see where he's at? Can he be, here we go, can he be this year's Josh Lowe, Estevan Foriel? Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, can I interest you in a... Uh, I guess a more a, a, a more powerful version of Jorge Mateo. Like sure, I mean he's Florial's fast. Isn't that kind of what Josh Lowe or Josh Lowe is though? <sighs> I, I think Josh we're Lowe's looking at Josh that. Lowe. I think we're looking at him through the rose colored glasses of the season he just put up. This yeah. time last year, you would you would have been comparing Josh Lowe and Jorge Mateo. Yeah, yeah, probably. I think. Uh, no, I mean no. I, I think they're different players, but. How? Um, but a bunch of strikeouts, no walks, power and speed. Low doesn't walk either. Yeah. Okay. Well, you don't. You don't have to agree. I'm not trying to twist your arm on agreeing on that. But I think uh, whether you say Mateo or or Low, I think it conveys the right point of poor plate skills, but a lot of mm -hmm. fantasy stuff, right? Like they 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 do things, power, speed, and if, again, if this team is good, like it could be, then runs and ribbies can be there, and then you kind of sacrifice the batting average, or in the case of Low last year, he did hit 292 because he had a 357 Babbitt. So with Florial, are you believing enough that like you would take a shot? I mean, he's freer than free. They give you money back if you take him at pick 708. Um, is that worth taking that last pick gamble there? Do you think you can really strike it rich with Estevan Florio? I mean, I think you have a, I think there's a chance. I think it's a, I mean, it is a literal lottery ticket. Like I think the chance that he's going to succeed is pretty low. Um, the underlying skills are atrocious. Uh, yeah, you know, he rough. doesn't, he doesn't make contact. Um, but there is power in that bat though. He has only really, you know, tapped into it in the minor leagues. Um, and there's a ton of speed. Uh, Jose Siri. Sorry to interrupt you. That's Ooh. the better comp. I think the only issue with that comp is the reason why Jose Siri plays every day is his defense and lead defense. Florial has like a defensive version of, um, I mean, here's the comp it's Joe Adele. Um, and because Florial at one point was like considered a widely considered a pretty good prospect. Yeah. There's power in the bat that he hasn't been able to tap into consistently because of the strikeouts. Uh, he's fast, but he's not good defensively necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, and so like what has Joe Adele been able to do um, in the major leagues? Nothing. So uh, is there a chance that, yeah, like he, because he is their projected opening day center fielder. That's what uh, we have right that, now for Florio. Yep. Yeah. That Florial is a guy that, you know, can find his way to 15 home runs and 25 stolen bases with like a 220 batting average. Sure. 
Like there, there is that is in the range of outcomes. Is that what I would project? No, I think the Yankees bring someone in to play center field. Okay. Well, then that uh, you know that will cut into the potential of what Estefan Florial could do. What about Everson Pereira? Let's move to him real quick. Uh, I do have a Jason Dominguez question on here. I'll get to that in a second. Let's flip those two. Let's talk Pereira because he also plays the outfield. Can Everson Pereira fill that role, or is he just a carbon copy here of Florial? Um, he didn't have as big of a season in the minors, but he did pretty well at double and triple A. Came up to the majors for 103 plate appearances, struck out 39% of the time, en route to a 23 WRC plus. So it was a rough go, but he's 22. He's even younger. He's three years younger, Emerson Pereira is. Do you have a shinier outlook on him, or is he just a three year younger Florial? I think the hit tool on Pereira is a little bit better. Um, and I think you have to kind of reverse what what I said about power and speed. He's got a little bit of speed and a good amount of power in that bat. Mm -hmm. Um, that's true. Yeah. That his power is, is better and he's not quite as blazing as Florial. And he's also not a great defender. Like at best, I think he's probably like average, um, average defender and he, he's not going to play center. Um, I think he is in going to be in that kind of competition with Cabrera for left field. Uh, I like Pereira probably more than Florio, um, okay. but not as much as Cabrera. So, uh, and I think he probably starts here in the minors. So, uh, rank the four. Throw, bring Peraza back in. Oswald Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera, Everson Pereira, Estevan Florio. None of them are really costing you much. Oswald Peraza actually stands out as costly compared to them at four forty. But you know, again, that's still very cheap rank them how, how, of your interest based on their price too oh based on their price okay yes. so um cabrera uh everson pereira um peraza florial I, th- I think i got no beef with that i think florial I, is still last despite being the cheapest. i think if we were taking if we were throwing cost out peraza would be higher and probably he'd be second to cabrera for me probably i'd go the double o yeah. boys and then the double I do e boys think that, if you're if you're if you're just ranking out by plate appearances, I think it's Cabrera, Peraza, Floreal, Pereira. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm good with that. All right, let's talk Jason Dominguez. Obviously, he's hurt um, with the uh, with tears ACL. Yeah, I think so. Wasn't it? Yeah, or ACL or or Tommy John? Is he getting Tommy John? Tom, Tommy John. Sorry, you. He's getting Tommy John. So you know that's not as devastating for batters we know that he's supposed to be back you know during the season are you drafting him anywhere let's let's focus right now on dcs because it's 50 players do you even take the stash on uh jason dominguez i mean if he's there like at the end of my draft maybe but he's going to pick 403 right now with a max of 478 i think even that's too expensive that's too high yeah okay then we don't need to really deep dive it um what about Let's go uh, keeper dynasty situations. If you can buy low, and obviously no one's going to give them to you for free. No one's stupid to be like, oh, I half season here, take them for Kyle Higashioka. But if you can take the, you you will get a discount relative to what you would have 10 minutes before he got hurt, obviously, when (laughs) things were flying high. Are you examining that discount on Jason Dominguez in dynasty and keeper formats to buy him for the long term? I think I would. I mean, if, if I could get him at a, you know, affordable price, I think he is uh, a guy that the Yankees are really high on. I think he, you know, the hard part with guys like Cabrera and Pereira um, 
and even Florial is uh, like when Jason Dominguez does come back, that's a spot instant. That's he's he's getting a spot back. Um, and the question is, is that spot in center or is that spot in left? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I yeah, I don't think I would buy on Dominguez if I needed him for this year because we just don't know what the recovery is going to be like for the Tommy John. But long term, I think Dominguez has a really good chance to be a dude. Uh, you know, there's a ton of power in the bat. Uh, I think that, you know, he has shown decent enough contact ability in the minor leagues um, and in his, you know, 33 <laughs> plate appearance in the majors, I guess, um, that he it could at least put up, you know, 240, 250 batting averages, um, depending on, you know, how things roll for him. So I, I like I like Dominguez a lot, but I just don't know who's selling. I think I think the yeah. only the only person who's selling Jason Dominguez is someone who is competing for a championship and you know goes hey, I need the production right now and even then you're probably not getting him at a huge discount. No, because then that means you have to give a pretty solidified piece for the following year. Yeah. You know, for somebody that's going to produce right away and that might end up being too expensive unless you're in a full rebuild and you got somebody who's 30 years old but very good and maybe they would do something like that you can explore it there will be a little bit of a discount i again i don't think you're getting jason dominguez for pennies anywhere um so let, I, let me give you a, some scenarios would okay. you trade this established player for jason dominguez if you were looking to rebuild okay. would you trade jt romuto yes would you trade christian yelich Yes. Paul Goldschmidt. Yes. Um, Christian all Walker. the right oldies for me. Uh, yes. Uh, Nolan Arenado. Yep. Um, Mike Trout. That one's closer. But yeah, I think I am, especially if I'm rebuilding. Just I got two injured guys here. Uh, give me the younger one. Okay. Um, I'm trying to see. A, Jose Altuve. Ooh, I think you found my point. Now I think I'm gonna hold Altuve still. Okay. What about? Or, or just try to get a little. I'll give you Altuve for Dominguez, and you gotta give me a little flavor. Okay. Added in there. Marcus Simeon, same thing. I was waiting for you to get to him because yeah. I knew that's exactly who I was thinking of when we brought this scenario up. Again, give me a little bit more flavor, but I think I can do that. I, I can get there if I get a second piece, like a decent prospect, uh, because I'm giving you a guy that's giving you 700 plate appearances of, of quality work. But yeah, I think, you know, I think that's where you start to really be able to get some deals done if you're dangling out guys like Altuve and Semyon and you're saying, hey, maybe not a one for one, but let's work something here. I, I, I've got you. Uh, I've got you a nice, shiny play this year guy for your nice Dominguez for the for the years to come. And I think you could probably get something done there. But yeah, definitely something like that. Um, and if, it, if I am giving that top tier player, just give me a little something else on the back end and we're good to go there with Jason Dominguez. All right, let's last one for the Yankees and we'll get into some young Guardians pitchers. Is Austin Wells a thing? Austin Wells came up um, as a catcher, but never was, I don't think anybody really ever had delusions of him being like a full-time catcher. Uh, he might be kind of in that Dalton Varsho camp. Uh, although maybe even worse, where we might not, might not even get too many catching seasons out of him. He is still still catcher eligible for this year. He only played 19 games. All of them were at catcher. But we could see him mixing in at some DH. I don't know. But he hit pretty well. 
um, on the year. 17 homers at Triple A in 96 games. Actually, it was single, double, and Triple A three level season. And then four homers in his 75 plate appearances at the major league level. No batting average to speak of, but just a power catcher. Is the 24 year old Austin Wells somebody uh, worth looking at? Former first round pick back in 2020. I think so. Um, I think he's one of those only guys. Be, sorry to cut you off. Only because of the catcher eligibility, or do you think he's like a, a nice hitter? No, I think because of, because of the catcher eligibility. Okay, um, that's fair. I, by the way, I mean maybe if he like was able to just focus on being a hitter, he would be like you know a guy who could potentially be uh, like a, a lower tier first baseman or something like that or outfielder. Yeah. But uh, mostly it's catcher eligibility, and I think he's one of these guys that is a cheap C two in your you know fifteen team leagues where you mm-hmm. go. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to spend up a catcher, so I'm just going to take a gamble on Austin Wells. And if he doesn't pan out, then I just move on to the next guy. But yep. uh, I think there is a reasonable chance that, like, he's, you know, he bats left-handed in Yankee Stadium. Like, it's a pretty darn good place to hit. And unless they bring in, like, a Mitch Garver or someone to, like, soak up extra plate appearances, like, I'm not worried about anybody else on that roster, you know, taking enough time away from Austin Wells where he's not going to be uh, at least a valuable low NC too. So, and I think there is a reasonable outcome in which like, Hey, maybe he can hit 25 home runs in Yankee stadium as your C2 and take that any day. Yeah. Even with the 220 average, we're, yeah. we're all about that from catcher. Totally agree. Austin Wells does have some intrigue for me and I'll be keeping tabs on him. Um, I'm down to uh, take that gamble. And then when you're talking about DCs, you need like four catchers. So I'm Mm -hmm. definitely open to getting him somewhere like that, where I might have two stable catchers ahead of him. But then if he happens to pop off this year, then I have Austin Wells who can go in if one of my catchers ends up uh, flopping on me. So yeah, Austin Wells, very interesting. He's currently going as the 25th catcher off the board. Like I'm I'm fine with that. uh, I'll pay that. I mean, the crazy thing is, and it's, you know, it's, it's weird to say there are a lot of guys going late. I like it. Catcher, like a catcher got an infusion this year, man. Not just at the high end either. You know, we talk about guys like William Contreras ascending even higher than he was. Yiner Diaz, Cal Raleigh established himself, showed that last year, uh, uh, 22 was legit with another big season this year. You know, people still believe in Francisco Alvarez, and I understand with the power that he has, Jonah Heim, Logan O'Hoppy. But then you, you jump down. Ryan Jeffers had a sneaky great season. Mm-hmm. Shay Lang- Langliers is basically a bargain basement Francisco Alvarez if you just want the pop. Your boy Patrick Bailey in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, you know, there's other guys down there too that I think you you have some interest in, uh, which is why you were saying that, you know, you look at the Austin, Andy Rodriguez is in that Austin Wells area, Danny mm-hmm. Jansen. So there Freddie are guys, Furman, Freddie like, Furman. Yep. Yeah, like, I mean, just... Uh, this is going to be one of those years where I, in the past I have been much more apt to take an early first and even second catcher. And I think, well, I'm not out necessarily on guys like Adley and JT Romuto. Um, I'm not as like jumping like for joy to like grab them. And this is why none of them are going like in the first two or three rounds. Like, yeah, pick 56 is the high for uh, Adley. That's he's the highest ADP. I should say, and I agree with you. There's just such a rich pool. 
Yeah. You don't have to like they're better, right? Like we're not saying Absolutely. that you're getting Adley Rutschman at pick four hundred, but like But you're getting usable guys, whereas previously, I mean, how many years you know, or decades did baseball HQ run the article about like, this is you, you, you get negative value from your, from, from your $1 C's. Yeah. They're hurting you. Don't like, know stop that that's taking the case them anymore. No, I agree. And I'm more, much more back. In, I'm much more back in. I think I did say that right. Uh, on a low C2 than I have been previously because of that. And that yeah. baseball HQ is where I read that. And I was like, okay, I got to stop. Okay. I, I used to be Mr. Two dollars on catchers in my auctions. I'll take two one dollar guys. Oh, I, but you I get remember negative my, fifteen value from them. My original home league would scream at people for take. I mean, it was ale only, so I mean, a little yeah. bit different. But they would scream at people if you spent more than a dollar at catcher. Like, <laughs> like they would legitimately get mad at you. Um, what are you like, doing? Like, you, you don't spend more than two dollars on two catchers. Like, you know, like that's that's crazy. Like, you know, but. Um, yeah, I mean, the game has changed, and now it's changed again, where it's like, oh, maybe yep. we need to go back to not spending money on catchers. And it might continue the evolution, because one of the big things that we've talked about is with the automatic balls and strikes, that are, they're coming. It's coming. It's At not coming this point, year. I'm not are. saying it's in stone, but it's coming, folks. This is not an if, but rather when. And um, what that can do is it might take more it, – well, it will definitely take – importance off of framing and it can get back to some of these guys that might have big arms and big bats we might even see more guys stay at catcher that can just hit and maybe throw some runners out because they don't give a crap about framing with the new uh automated strike zones so we could see a further catcher renaissance here in the coming years uh as we move forward there with the uh, automatic balls and strikes so keep that in mind too but catcher's deep I'm probably still taking one stud, maybe one of the guys in the top 10, but then I am waiting for the rest of my catchers in a uh, draft champions league. All right. So that's the Yankees. Again, a lot of young guys there. If, if a few of these guys really pan out a couple breakout seasons at the top, top end, excuse me. Um, they really could have a pretty decent offense next year. So stay tuned there. Even if you're a Yankees hater, don't let it blind you to the fact that uh, we could get some nice guys here. Let's talk Guardians pitching because obviously that's been one of the bigger, that was one of the bigger storylines this year. They were uh, a big part of that influx of talent that we got where in the NFBC leagues, we had minimum of one rookie pitcher a week for quite some time. There was like a 10 week run, it felt like, where there was at least one stud coming up ready to dominate. And uh, we saw some real dominance here. Let's start with not their young guys. I, actually, I should just title this Guardians Pitchers because we're, the first guy we're going to talk about is a little bit older, Shane Bieber. But what's up with the big veteran here? Because he's kind of the leader there, but is he is he a trustworthy one, 150? Can can we get that? Do you Are you paying for that? I know you didn't like him coming into this year. Price is coming down on him. He's going to be pick 145 next year. Are you paying that for Shane Bieber? Do you, do you trust him at all? I don't. I mean, I just, I, I think he is uh, hurt. I think, uh, I don't, I know that he finished the year on the mound, but um, I just don't trust it at all. Uh, and I haven't been a Shane Bieber guy, like you mentioned, for quite a while. Mm -hmm. It burned me in 2022 uh, because he was fantastic. But, you know, I mean, 2021, 2023 didn't get to 130 innings. So I'm not betting that we're going to see a bounce back to 150 plus innings uh, and the kind of guy that you have expected. And we just see declining skills every year on top of that. And so, like, I think he needs to be more of an accumulator 
in order for Bieber to return the kind of value you're looking for on a guy like him. And there's just too many guys going around Shane Bieber that uh, I prefer. So uh, to me, I'm out, uh, even though it is a pretty big reduction in price from last year. Uh, but like I said, there's just too many guys going right. Or, I mean, Jordan Montgomery is the next pitcher. I will take Jordan Montgomery all day long over Shane Bieber. Um, yeah, you know, I, get, I understand that. Uh, Michael King's going after him. Uh, I mean, I guess there's a lot of these guys. <laughs> Braxton Garrett going way after him. I'll take Braxton. Well, that's Garrett, the thing. So. Like, we've seen the infusion. You know, all that all that rookie talent. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're going into their second year. They're in the draft pool this year. Obviously, they're not all going to hit, but there's a lot of guys that you can be interested in. So why take a gamble on somebody you just don't have the confidence in? And you haven't had that in Bieber for a while. I am a Bieber. I am a believer. Uh, I do like him, but I'm not as gung ho. Uh, I was coming into this year. I really liked him as a top end guy. I thought we were going to see him get back to his strikeouts. And they went down another five points from 25 to 20%. And that's alarming. Obviously, the velo's down. I like his secondary stuff to get swings and misses. And he still had a 14% swinging strike rate in 2022, which had gave me some confidence. It was down to 10.5% this year, 11%, we'll call it. Um, and that's, you know, that's another big fade. And so I am moving off of Beaver a bit. Might end up with a share again as a multi-leaguer, but... I'm not really putting my eggs in his basket as much anymore because I just don't know that he can be trusted. So uh, I'd much rather trust some of these young guys that they've got, but I don't know if the next guy we're going to talk about is one of them. I loved what Tristan McKenzie did in 2022, mainly because it was on my main event team. And that was great. Also because he's built literally exactly like me, six, five, one sixty-five. I just, I'm going to root for him no matter what, but, no joke, uh, jokes aside, that body type is why I understand why he always gets hurt. It, we're frail, man. We're not. Uh, we're not. We're not super well built at that uh, at that size. You know, the inflatable dancing man out in front of a, uh, a used car lot is what we look like out there. And he broke down again. And injuries were the big issue with Tristan McKenzie coming up this year, limited to just 16 innings. And he was a bit of a fade for me because of the health. And he strikes me as this kind of guy that I feel like I'm always going to try to buy low on. And so now that the price is down and everyone's scared off again by the injuries, pick 221, I might be inclined to take a shot. Tristan McKenzie strikes me as a guy that's difficult to buy high on because you have to worry about that health all the time. Is this discount steep enough for you to d- jump back in on McKenzie after the lost year? Pick 221. Um. <clears throat> Probably not. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of it depends on roster construction in terms of what my rotation looks like when I get there. But like, we had a, a pretty thorough, heated discussion about Shane Boz, who's gone pick, you know, two ten uh, over in the Arizona Fall League. So uh, if you if you didn't listen to that one because it's a little chaotic, I, I understand. But I think I take Shane Boz. Um, I think I take. Brandon Fat. Uh, I, I I wish I could have bet every nickel I had that that was the next name you were going to say. I was what, staring dead name? at him. Um, a- Andrew Abbott. Yeah, I think I take Andrew Abbott. Uh, what's the these. fourth name? Um, Kyle, Kyle Harrison. No, no, it's not. no. no. I, I take you, Darvish. Like, I mean, um, oh, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, where's Where is Darvish? 
start two, oh, oh, he's right there. He's oh, you, you right went back there. up. You went yeah, back went up back on up. me. Yeah. It was uh, um, fought and then down to Abbott and then back up to Darvish. But yeah, no, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to argue too hard on this um, for McKenzie. The risk is obvious. It's it's ever present with his body because, again, he had a lot of trouble coming up through the minors, staying healthy. That was always the issue with him. I talked about, you know, ahead of the breakout season, I was like, they've made they've made a bunch of these guys into studs. I don't want to say out of nowhere, but they've taken guys that weren't premium prospects and turned them into big time arms. He was the best of the bunch, but it was always health. Like the pure talent prospect, he was sky high, McKenzie, and we saw that in 22. But then again, this year was just a lost year, 16 innings due to health. And he's just so difficult to bet on. I was actually hoping that the discount would be steeper. I'm surprised he's still holding at 220. Um, and, you know, these these early ADPs do have a bit of an anchoring effect. So I don't see any world where he just plummets unless we get bad news or something that says he's going to be out for the first couple months. But as it stands right now, McKenzie should be ready for spring, you know, because he finished the season on the mound. That gives me some, some, you know, um, excitement or at least confidence, but I don't see myself putting him on my team a lot at pick 221 with a lot of the names you mentioned. I'm a big Reese Olsen guy as a, as a little Tigers homer. Christopher Sanchez, they're both going after pick 250 yeah. there. Lizolo, so, you know, should be healthy. My um, boy Reed Detmer's down at 267, for God's sakes. Yeah. Carter Crawford. I mean, there's just so many pitching names. And by the way, if you're tired of hearing us say that, I'm sorry, because it's going to be all offseason. Yeah, we're going to talk about how many yeah. damn pitching names there are. And again, they're not all going to be great, but we're all going to have our own that we really like. And so why take somebody that gives you such scare as Tristan McKenzie when there's 12 other guys right there that you really like? No, there's I think just no reason to back yourself into the corner. Unlike with what we were talking about with Volpe, like Volpe's price right now is probably going to be like the lowest we see him going. Yep. McKenzie could drop quite a bit. You um, think so? You think he could plummet? There's so many names that people really like. Like these are, you know, we're not the only ones talking about Christopher Sanchez and Reese Olsen and Brandon fought off the playoffs. Fott, like, I mean, I think McKenzie's one of those guys that as people kind of take a look at the injury profile, like he could drop out of the top 300 picks and then you start well, going, then I'm getting in, especially when we're talking about actual drafts, not the gladiators, not the draft and holds the fab yep. leagues where you can drop guys. He becomes more interesting because if he does get hurt, he's an easy cut and you just move yeah. on. No, I I agree with that. And his max pick for Tristan McKenzie is two ninety eight. So he's been he's been deep down there before. I will say that that is kind of a out a clear outlier. Like there's other picks in the two hundreds, but that's a thirty pick difference from his next lowest uh, at two sixty three for McKenzie. And his min pick is one forty two, but which it was way too high. It was in like one of the first drafts of the year. Like it, yeah. you know. Um, and so somebody just got a little overzealous there. And that one is a clear outlier to the high end. Mm -hmm. So McKenzie kind of living more in that 180 to 250 range right now. Um, if he if he does drop, then I start to get back in. You put him at the at the end of the 200s. And now you're talking he's around like a Mason Miller, uh, Sawyer Gibson Long, Seth Lugo, Paul Skeens. Then all of a sudden, I, I've got more interest. I'll say that for yeah. sure. But uh, okay, so that's Tristan McKenzie, Shane Bieber. Now let's get into the actual rookies here. First off, straight away with the price, price included, your favorite of the three rookies, Tanner Bybee at pick 115, Gavin Williams at pick 143, or Logan Allen at pick 390. 
I mean, I think it's Bybee for me. I don't think it's particularly close. I think he's, um, I, I think he's exactly what the Guardians love is the guy who's got really good stuff, but also really good command. Uh, yep. I think he is the most complete of those three. I think Gavin Williams is the best stuff. Uh, but sure. The, get behind that. The command and control isn't um, as stellar as Bybee's. So, and I don't really have a ton of interest in Logan Allen uh, for the okay. most part. Though we'll he get is to him. the cheapest. Yeah, we'll get to him. Let's talk Bybee um, because I agree with you. I, I love Bybee. I will pay the premium there. Uh, when you're looking at the three, I'm not looking for a discount. I'll just take the the best guy, and I believe that is Bybee. Yeah. But I do want to ask a little bit about that fly ball lean. It was a 37% ground ball rate, so the ball was in the air a good bit. 8% homer to fly ball. Um, do you worry about a potential home run issue, or are you of the mind that like even if that does go up to, say, 12% homer to fly ball and he allows a few more shots, they're solos anyway because he doesn't walk anybody. Like, Is that a looming concern for you at all? My guess is no, just based on how glowingly you spoke of him. But what do you think of Bybee's fly ball lean right now? Uh, I'm not overly worried about it. He does such a good job of mixing pitches that he's going to get guys to get under it, uh, you know, a decent amount. And like I said, the command is, is so good that I don't worry about him missing his spots so often. And like you said, even when he does, like it's likely going to be a solo shot anyway. So, yeah. um, and this I, is not new, by the way. He's always yeah. had this fly ball lean, and his minor league home run rate was 0.7 homers per nine. He was at 0.8 this year in the majors. So he's lived with this. Fly ball lean doesn't always mean you're a, a, a problematic home run machine. You can get a lot of pop-ups, and those are basically strikeouts in terms of the freeness of that out. Yeah. And he does have a 10% infield fly ball rate, so that does help Bybee, and too. he had 20% infield fly ball rates in the minor leagues. Like, this is a That's guy who... splendid. He he does such a good job of mixing pitches um, that he just keeps hitters completely off balance, and they have a hard time squaring them up. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, he had a 6% barrel rate. Like, that is awesome. Like, I'll, I'll take that all day long from Bybee. Yeah, no, I, I like it, and I'm also not particularly uh, concerned about the fly ball lean as we're both paying the 115 uh, top price there. Can Williams tame his control? You alluded to it that he's got the best stuff, but command and control are a little bit more of an issue. 12% walk rate in AAA, 11% at the major league level. They're a team. You know, Cleveland is a team that has helped guys improve their command and become better to maximize them. Is, is there a path forward there with Williams, or is he just going to be one of these guys that has a little bit of a walk rate but has such good stuff that he's still quite good for them? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more of a control issue than a command issue. The command isn't like a plus for him. Like, I think he's probably an average command guy. The problem is because he ten- because Williams tends to walk guys, like he when he does give up that bomb, it is not going to be a solo shot. It's yeah, his will be the, the killer's. Yeah, it's going to be a two, three run shot uh, that just hurts your ERA. Um, and that's why, like, you look at, like, the ERA estimators, you know, or uh, numbers, um, they all had him as, like, a four ERA or worse. And, you know, like, his XFIP was, like, 453. Like, that's pretty scary in terms of a guy that you're talking about going around pick 140. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got, like, you know, that's the Shane Bieber, Jordan Montgomery, um, Sonny Gray area. Like, I'm probably taking him over Bieber just because I just don't trust the health with Bieber. But I'm probably not taking Gavin Williams over any of those other guys. 
Yeah, I, I don't think I am either. I might have to do a deeper dive on him, maybe watch some of the starts. There's things I like. I love that he has a nice changeup. It's like real nasty as far as his stuff goes. He does have the best stuff of this bunch, but it's probably not overwhelming enough to really get me there for Gavin Williams. Uh, a guy I could see myself landing on, but I'm not targeting. And so, you know, um, I just think there'll be probably going to be too many guys around that area that I like more. Uh, let's talk Logan Allen. You said you're not all that interested. It is pick 390, so it, we are talking bargain basement price. The 140 whip is a problem. So the way I phrased it was, are you worried about the 140 whip or is he a Ooh. sneaky late buy? Based on your earlier comment on him, I think it's the former, but what? Let, let's expound on that with regards to Logan Allen. You said you're not particularly interested in him. Is it just uh, too many base runners? You don't really see a path forward to success with Logan Allen? Yeah, I mean, I think that Allen is one of those guys that's going to be on the cusp of the rotation. Uh, for Cleveland, he's definitely a guy. Like, I mean, it's always hard to know what Cleveland's going to do in general in terms of their starting pitching because they could easily trade away two or three guys. True. And all of a sudden, like, Logan They love Quantrill, too. Yeah, and but that's the problem. Is like they, they get all these guys from out of nowhere that, like, you know, the Cal Quantrills of the world, the, I mean, the Logan Allens of the world, the, you know, the yeah. Tanner Bybees of the world, like these guys that weren't necessarily, I mean, I guess Logan Allen at one point was a, a pretty big prospect and Quantrill was a first round pick, but like they'll have two or three other guys in their system that could come up and just take Logan Allen's job. And I think the only thing working for him right now is I think he's the only lefty in that rotation Yes. Um, as of now, but I said that last season, right? When when we were talking about, oh, once they get guys healthy back, the Guardians are going to send some back. They're not going to send down Logan Allen because he's the only lefty, and they sent down Logan Allen. So they, they clearly are not in love with him either. Mm -hmm. uh, so I I worry that Logan Allen's not even in the rotation to start the year. So uh, fair concern. I think that's yeah. a completely fair concern. Um, because they got a lot of arms coming and it might not even be an outside acquisition. Maybe somebody within beats yeah. them, which leads us into our last question here. Who's the next big thing? There's some guys going. Joey Cantillo is going uh, pick 711. Cody Morris pick 724. Xavion Curry has not been drafted in any of That's kind of surprising to me. I I'm not like super in on Xavion Curry, but you got Joey Cantillo, Cody Morris, uh, Noah Syndergaard, for God's sakes, is being picked. Hunter Gaddis, Zach Plesak, and nobody's taken a single Xavier Curry shot in these 23 drafts. That's surprising to me. But anyway, Xavier uh, Curry or Daniel Espino, who's also going. He's been gone in three of these drafts at pick 731. Who's the next big thing? Who are you betting on there uh, for Cleveland to turn into a stud? Um, I mean, uh, Cantillo is interesting because he's another guy who's got good command in four pitches and uh, he could be their lefty. Yeah, if they, they want to have one lefty in, he could be that guy. He could definitely be that uh, lefty. Uh, I don't know what Espino's health issue. It's not good. Yeah, so like I can't imagine he's gonna be um, uh, factoring in unless he like really shows some really good health early on in the season. I, I can't remember why he was right out of shoulder the anterior capsule repair surgery on may 3rd which puts him out 12 to 14 months so we're looking at him midsummer anyway i don't know why anybody's drafting a daniel espino who's never been in the majors isn't yeah. coming back till june or july i like him he's a big time prospect i think he's he's probably the next best behind 
uh, McKenzie in terms of prospect hype of all of these guys that they've had in recent years. But his health is very similar too, in that he hasn't stayed healthy. So I don't don't draft a Spino right now. You're wasting your time, even in a what draft are, champions. One of the guys that I'm gonna keep an eye on, uh, that I don't think a lot of people are going to keep an eye on is uh Parker Messick, uh, who is a twenty three year old. I think he finished in high A last year. Um, but he's got really good command and disgusting he's change got up. a disgusting change up. <laughs> four pitches uh he is this type of guardians pitcher that they like a guy yep. who's got a really good off-speed pitch a really good command uh and he is older right like there's no reason for him to be sitting around in double a for very long mm-hmm. uh so i think he he may not make the opening day rotation he won't make the opening day rotation. no he won't but like this it. is a good um, call out right here parker messick if you're looking for the guy who's gonna be like this year's Tanner Bybee, which is a guy that people weren't really talking about before the start of the season that ends up in the rotation in June. I think Messick is one of those guys. It's a great call out 2022 draft pick, uh, second rounder, like you said, a little bit older, already age 23 next year, finished in high a had a good two level season at a and high a, if he continues on this trajectory, he really shouldn't have to spend much time in double a, then he's a phone call away in triple a. And as we know these, these days, you're a phone call away in double a, especially as yeah. a 23 year old. So that's a great call out, not on the radar at all. Parker Messick. I love that call out. Uh, I mentioned Xavion Curry and he looks to me more like a reliever, but he was getting some starts down the stretch. They were giving him a little bit of an opportunity. Is there anything there with Xavion Curry? Obviously, the draft market doesn't think so, but do you see anything with Xavion Curry? I mean, I've never really been super impressed watching him pitch. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think he is kind of a guy. Um, like, he's just someone who can be a fourth, fifth starter on a team when they've had some injuries. Uh, I think guys like that have value. Um but more major league value than fantasy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I just don't know that I'm ever going to draft him because yeah, if I'm going to like, if I'm looking at the back end of my, like a draft champions league, so you're talking about 15 team, 50 round drafts in hold, right? I'm looking for guys that I think are going to get innings or I'm looking for upside. Mm-hmm. And Curry's a guy that I don't know. I, he definitely doesn't have upside. Um, but I don't know where the innings come from. Like I, he could get 110, something like that. Yeah, he got like, 95 this year in a swingman role. But I think he's just a classic swingman who, again, yeah, has more real life value than than fantasy. If I'm gonna go that direction, I might as well just like go for a guy like uh, just a, a random middle reliever. That I gotta know. be honest, I think I'd take Messick over Curry. I I just yeah. I just bang the drum and and pitched a fit about nobody taking Curry. Uh, the more I look into it, the more it, it does make a little bit more sense there. So uh, pardon me on 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 that little fit I threw because it was only a 17% K rate in a hybrid role, only a 9% swinging strike. I love the 8% walk rate. I can live with that. It's actually 7% if you round it and you I'm, round down. From I 7. will 4. say some of the names that are at the back end of like draft champions drafts that have been drafted make me laugh. Like, why are you drafting Zach Plesak? Like, yeah, like Curry's gonna have a role before Zach Plesak has a role. I think like, so. Yep. But even Espino, I would take Curry yeah. over Espino. Sure. 
but yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like jumping for joy because I got hit. I got Curry in the 49th round. Like I'm, I'm taking your boy Messick more. I, I love that call yeah. out. That and I, that's exactly a Cleveland guy too. That like you I'm, said, the guys I'm going to be him. looking for in the 48th, 49th, 50th rounds are. And people are going to laugh when I say this, but this year's Patrick Corbin, like it's the guy that had the truly atrocious second season in a row, mm-hmm. but because his contract, he's going to pitch. And you know what? Say what you want about Patrick Corbin. Like there were times this year I had to use Patrick Corbin because he was one of my only healthy arms and he was actually halfway decent in 180 starts, innings right? of decent work. You like, can't put up 180 innings of a 520 ERA without a lot of good starts. I say that yeah. shit all the time. Go look at the game log. There were periods of usefulness. Now, if you said it and forget it with Corbin, of course you took yeah, it on the yeah, chin, yeah. but there were periods of usefulness. And I get what you're saying about having those high volume guys, those boring, nasty guys. Some people will take a Daniel Espino over mm-hmm. a Patrick Corbin and say, well, what if, what if, uh, you know, what if Espino pops off in the second half? Yeah, but what's the likelihood of that? There's a much higher likelihood that you find some bouts of usefulness with somebody like Corbin or some other crusty old uh, veteran than you get anything out of an Espino who didn't throw in 2023 and isn't even expected to be ready until like June or July of the upcoming year. Like, like you mean, don't always just take the long shot prospect. This isn't a keeper league. A guy like, you know, Daniel Lynch is going to pick 734. Like, could he not, like, put up 140 something innings? I actually still um, like Lynch. Yeah. Uh, like, so I'm with you there. Like, you know, like, um, Patrick Corbin going 735. Jordan Lyles going 735. Like, give me those guys over the... the Marco Gonzalez kind of fits that level. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Another guy, like, boring as hell. Nobody is pounding the table when you draft Marco Gonzalez. But in a draft champions, you know, you can't just load up on prospects at the end of your draft. If you're putting way too many guys there, you're going to be hurting, and you're not going to have enough players. Or go get like Trevor McGill. Like he's going seven forty one. Like that that's a I'll take Trevor or Tyler. You'll take you'll take Trevor Trevor the the reliever. The reliever, yeah. Okay. Just making sure that uh, yeah, because I I agree with you. Um Tyler has not not advanced from where we uh, originally saw him uh, before he got hurt and it just was not a good year. But yeah, ton of names, a lot of different ways to build your uh draft champions roster just I don't think the right way to build, though, is by stocking a ton of prospects in that 30 to 50 pick range Mm -hmm. because you will run out of players quickly. The injuries pile up so fast and you're like, God, I have nothing. I have a bunch of 20 year olds that aren't going to be up until uh, August, if at all. So be careful with that. But there's the, the nice Cleveland staff. They've got so many fun guys. Again, Parker Messick, underscore that name. I like that call out quite a bit there as somebody to keep an eye on. Let me add his name here to our sheet so people don't forget about Parker Messick. But yeah, we'll keep talking about uh, some team stuff here in the coming days. Obviously, we'll be back on Friday. Justin, great talking with you. Good luck getting the uh, family back off the IL. And uh, we're back in our groove here. You know, it's November. Mm -hmm. I said things would start happening back regularly. You'll see more articles from me. You'll see more regular podcasts. We're kind of back in it. We took our month off and we're ready to dive back in. So yep, it's uh, glad to be season, back. Maybe. It's projection season. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.